everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for 2019. Yes, we're still singing 2019. Until it gets past into January, then we'll do a normal intro. Now, see when it comes to Christmas Day, right? And then you get your presents and it kind of, it confirms one of two things. It either confirms that you've been quite good during the preceding year or that you think it could be improved. Now, I got socks and a jumper for Christmas, so I thought I thought I must have done something wrong. I didn't realise that my Christmas present wasn't going to be arriving until a month later, because joining me today, it's... It's a ga- It's a man. It's a legend. He has been the mayor of the city of Remnants. He has set that place on fire. He in in the wake he has brought us ashes, and he has risen the phoenix born. I bring you the vice president of ideas, wonder, and loveliness. It is it is his royal highness, the Baron of Brilliance, Isaac Vega. Oh. My gosh. <laughs> like, I have never had such a lovely intro. Thank you so much, Richard. Wow, go. I feel very special now. <laughs> I, I I must admit that is, I, I don't do that with everybody. Your check will be in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> is it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm quite willing to accept. Let's face it. Let's not lie about it. If somebody sent me a check in the mail, I'd be like that. I'm not going to be like, um, no, I'm not going to take that money. I just run a Kickstarter for goodness' sake. If somebody sent me some more money, I'd be like, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, first of all, thank you very, very much for joining. Thank you for us. having me. Um, I appreciate it. it um, the reason, I suppose, for everybody who's listening to us for the first time, the reason that we do this is because. Um, I get to speak to people like Isaac, so nah, 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 nah. And the other reason that we do this is because we like to, as I say, we like to speak to people who are involved in the industry, who are um, creating, who are helping the board gaming space become a better place. And, and you know, and uh, I've had John Gilmore on twice, so I've been building up the courage to ask Isaac <laughs> on. And I asked oh, him, and guess what he said? He said, yes, so what I'm saying to you kids out there is, you know, chase your dreams, because sometimes your dreams come true. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> aim, aim higher, kids. <laughs> aim higher. <laughs> I am- Look, I'm an, old, I'm, an old, I'm an old man. I'm a realist as well, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm looking up at the moon and I'm saying, I don't want to stretch too much. I'm going to hurt my back. <laughs> that's what I'm kind of looking at here. Um... One of the things that we like to do on the show is we like to find out a little bit about kind of like your your history in relation to the hobby, yeah? Yeah. So with that respect, we want to have we're going to have a little a little look at the I guess the baseball cap of the past before we look into the kind of the woolly hat of the present and look at the plaid hat of the future. Sounds good. Um, so do you want to tell us, do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about kind of how you got into the kind of the hobby, the space in general? Yeah. So I, I actually didn't know much about the board games industry. I didn't know how big it was as a hobby until I kind of came back from college. I had moved back from Arizona back to my hometown of Gibsonburg, Ohio, after I dropped out Mm -hmm. of college. And didn't really know what to do with myself, so I kind of hooked up with, again with um, a lot of my high school friends that I used to play 
like collectible mm-hmm. card games with. Uh, I used to play Dragon Ball Z and a little bit of Magic the Gra- Gathering right. and things like that. And they mm-hmm. had all transitioned over to the wonderful board gaming worlds. So uh, they introduced me to games like Puerto Rico. Dominion had just come out not that long before then. Um, and I like fell in love. I was like, oh my gosh, th- all this stuff exists. This is pretty cool. And yeah. a few months after getting to know what board games even were, I was just like, you know what? Let me let me try making one. I'm really bored up here in Ohio, so yeah. <laughs> I might as well. So uh, I heard it's Ohio that bad. I've heard there's not enough <sighs> to there's, do. There's really not much to do. Let me just say, I'm I'm it, like I I miss some people there for sure, but I don't miss living in Ohio. <laughs> Is it, is it known as is it known as here we go this putting going up an octave? Is it known as like the dairy state or something like that? Am I getting that wrong? I know zero facts from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of corn in my area. <laughs> so is that the thing? It's like what do you want to do? Tree well, is the um, buckeye. <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> what do you want for dinner? We can have corn on the yeah. cob, or we can have corn grits, or do you want? Popcorn? <laughs> it's like okay. it's all corn all the okay, time. <laughs> <laughs> Did so was your first game? I mean, obviously, your first game was called um, Collectible Corn, the card yes, game. Yes, but I, but that I heard one that didn't get any traction. That one stayed <laughs> contained. I heard it was primarily because in order to carry a deck, you basically had to carry a sack full of corn. Yeah. With yeah. you, with different kind of coloured. It was mostly, it, it was so mostly, was you know, a history of my life there in Ohio, <laughs> <laughs> and no one, no one was interested in that part. <laughs> so you're sitting around. Yep, I'm sitting around. You know, I'm sitting around, trying, chilling, chilling out. I and- try some stuff out, and uh, lo and behold, my mom comes home one day with a business card from Colby, <laughs> the All owner right. of Cloud Hat Games who had uh, done a talk at the church that she went to. And yeah. uh, she's just like, hey, check this guy out. And I was like, okay, fine, I guess. <laughs> I was reluctant at first, but <laughs> I didn't have any other leads. My life wasn't going in a great direction anyway, so <laughs> might as well try it out. <laughs> so I showed him uh, the first game I'd worked on, and it was terrible, and he hated it. But he was very <clears throat> nice about it and not telling me. <laughs> that information uh and encouraged me to keep working uh so about what was that game oh that game was a bad titled game called ellie quest um it was an elemental roll and move game let's not talk about that game (laughs) eventually i (laughs) eventually i pitched uh what would become my first game uh, City of Remnants, and he enjoyed the concept so much that he had. He told me to start working on it right away. And uh, shortly mm-hmm. after, I showed him the prototype. He ended up contracting it, kept working on it, and yeah, that's pretty much how everything started. I just kept going to his game nights that he hosted and uh, seeing how the company evolved. Volunteered for everything I could possibly be a part of, and eventually, I think about two and a half years in. Three years down the line, I got hired full time as his first hire. In terms of like, if we take a step back, in terms of your kind of current exposure to board games at that mm-hmm. time, um, in relation to City of Remnants, had you had you been exploring a lot of the kind of the board game designs that were out there because you were designing your own game? Had you been like, oh, I've got to see, I. I you know, I I want to make sure that nobody else is making something. I mean, something I mean, honestly, kind of I I was researching as much as I could, but BGG mm. was and still is an elusive website to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was it wasn't really like I was so steeped in it that I knew what was going on. Um, yeah, you know, I'd hear comparisons later on about things that I've done before that I never even heard of. You know, so yeah. And as you know, the board game industry has only grown so much. So I kind of just then and now still kind of follow what I think is needed and what my heart is telling me that I want to do. So, um, no, I wasn't like super, super steeped in the industry so much. I mean, by that point, I hadn't even gone to my first convention, I think. So I was I was pretty out of it. 
do you think that kind of um, helped not being the guy that was kind of um, influenced by all these th- other things, not sitting there and second guessing yourself? Because I, I, one of the things I guess I see in the board game space because there's so many mm. games now. I mean, there's like, you know, I don't know if you're around for Tuesday, but there was about six different games launched on Kickstarter, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, um. Oh my days, and they're all completely different. Yeah. But I was wondering if, you know, you kind of just saying, "Right, I'm going to get on with this." You didn't have the additional pressure of comparing and contrasting all these games. You just kind of went, "Well, I'm just going to do it." And you know, if it if it's like something else, then that's then that's kind of fine. I mean, it, really, it was it was just about it being exciting to me. Um, I've always been a creative person, and it was something that I just wanted to do. And I was lucky enough to be within the vicinity of someone who was starting a company and getting things going and moving forward. And when I saw that opportunity and had the ability to, you know, volunteer more and be a part of that more and just see what Hmm. the world is like, I was just like, I can't just let this pass me by, you know? And (laughs) I learned as much as I possibly could along the way, but I wasn't necessarily scared of not knowing what I was doing or everything that could needed to be done right from the beginning. I think that if people just wait around for that, they're never going to get anywhere because you're always going to need no more information. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the, in terms of just having the Colby's kind of card kind of handed to you. I mean, I know a lot of people that end up kind of doing a lot of, a lot of kind of pitching and stuff like that. I've, were you tempted have you, or have you been tempted at the time to kind of, in those formative days when Colby had you on as a contractor, to kind of say, well, let's see if anybody else is also interested in kind of other other designs? Yeah, I, I did pitch some games to some other companies uh, during that three-year mm-hmm. period before I got hired full-time. Um, but, I mean, honestly, how I felt is that if Plaid Hat wasn't interested in something I was doing, it wasn't really worth doing. <laughs> Um, and that's kind of how the other games that were ended up, ended up being developed just never really got enough of my attention for them to turn into anything else for any other company. Uh, there were, there was one game that ended up almost getting signed, but I ended up, I ended up deciding that I didn't want to sign with that company. And so I just, I just kind of stuck with Plot Hat. I felt like I was more a part of what was happening not only as a contractor, but as part of the business and its growth, I was just invested in the entire thing, you know? So my heart mm-hmm. and my, um, my efforts were there and I felt that the company was new enough. And well, I don't know if I had this much clarity in my mind at the time, but, uh, <laughs> but I just, I just enjoyed being a part of it. i tell you the truth. I enjoyed yeah. being the part of it and I wanted to be a part of it more. And that's where, that's where my heart was. That's what I was pushing for, you know. And did you feel? Did you feel you kind of found your place? Yeah. I mean, when you started kind of working with them, were you like, yeah, yeah very, uh, very much so. I mean, I, I think that the thing that really solidified it in my mind was when I had the opportunity to work on the Bioshock board game. Um, was kind of yeah. like, okay, this is gonna be something different because I went to college to try to have a video game design career. That's what I wanted to do. But I got very discouraged from the kind of the system of the video game industry at that time. It was pretty much you have to invest about 10 to 12 years of your life before someone's really even willing to listen to an idea that you have for a video game. And this was before the indie craze of video games and things exploded again. Um, but I was just so discouraged by that. I was just like, ah, man, I don't really want to invest so much of my life working towards somebody else's dreams. So I was just like, ah, I'll just, I'll just be a regular guy. I'll just, you know, just sell insurance or do whatever, you know, and just get some money in any way. <laughs> you could, be, whatever. <laughs> you could be a doctor or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> whatever. Twelve years video games. Yeah. To have your right. studio games to get a seventy percent rated on Metacritic, which means I don't get my bonus, right. or I'm just a doctor. Right. <laughs> so I mean, and there's no knocking people that enjoy that and love that for their careers. It just wasn't. No. It wasn't for me. I wanted to be 
the person who was inventing every like designing the video game i didn't want to be the guy that was designing one character in a video game that could jump around yeah you know that just wasn't what i was hoping for but that kind of position isn't something that somebody straight out of college gets <laughs> you know and when board mm-hmm, games mm-hmm. came around it was an opportunity to kind of scratch that designage you know enjoy crafting a world from nothing and seeing it function right in front of you um so once i got a hold of that it was kind of like i was accomplishing that dream and then for it to kind of all turn around and then have access to a video game company at the same time was just like whoa like this is an avenue to make my dreams come true not just not just a different path like this is this is a possibility to kind of have everything that you know younger isaac wanted and i just i just like was i really enjoyed that process and thought you know i need to focus on this i need to make this more than just something i'm doing i need to make this a career was there um was there a different level of pressure on you say doing the bioshock infinite board game um oh yes then there was doing city of remnants because city of remnants i take it you were just like saying right here's my ideas colby this is what we're doing here here's the gangs here's the resources this is the grid this is what we're doing and it's your vision you know right. it's your story if you want to say these guys or oh, the red guys are militaristic the yellow guys are doing this the blue guys are doing this right. and you're the guy you're kind of bringing the ideas with the table whereas in obviously in bioshock infinite you're tapping into what was i guess the kind of the the one of a really kind of important and very very well known ip right and that and that's at the kind of time and that um <laughs> that comes with its pressures like being able to design a game where you get to go ahead and work on the world allows you to craft the world around the game in areas where it doesn't always make sense or kind of you know oh, well, this went in a different direction than I intended the story to go or the characters to go, but I can go ahead and change that Mm -hmm. because I have the ability to do that since I'm crafting the world. When you're designing uh, based around an IP that exists, you have to respect that IP. You want to make sure that people are going to still see the things that they're familiar with in your representation of that brand's. You know, so you have to take all of that into consideration, and then there are changes and things that come come from uh, people that own the property that you know have to be made in order to please them as well. So you're not only trying to oh, yeah. please the yeah. customer, but you're also trying to please uh, the people that um, own the rights to the characters that you are representing. Yeah, I, I mean, I see that. I mean, let's face it; one of the most obvious ones is the, the Dark Souls board mm-hmm. game. Where then, obviously, um, one of the things that Steamforge has said is waiting for them to get feedback regarding changes that they've made yeah. has turned into kind of like a review process and they've got other departments kind of coming on from FromSoft and Bandai Namco saying, yes, no, you've got to change mm-hmm. this, or you've got to change that. You know, I remember, for instance, there was just this, there was this thing where they were... Um, they were introducing the um, NPC figures and people were saying they're not holding any weapons, they're just kind of standing there like they're passive, why aren't they in poses? And they said, well, we have to get clearance to put them in particular poses kind of thing to get them recognised. <laughs> and I can kind of understand that. At the same time, obviously, I hear of, like, say, Eric Lang going to be bringing out the Bloodborne kind of board game with minis and everything, and part of me is part of me is thinking, you you do fantastic work, Eric, but I hope you, you're bringing out the extra strong kind of shoulder pads for this one because you know there's going to be an awful lot of kind of pressure and a kind of an awful lot of an awful lot of kind of weight mm-hmm. on it as well um the reaction to 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 bioshock i mean were you pleased with how people um kind of reacted to the game what they thought of the game and how they played the game i, I was pleased with what i had done and how i had represented it for mm-hmm. the i for the company um but if I am telling the truth, there were some things that I would definitely change at this point uh, uh-huh. in my career. One of the things that I don't think we considered uh, enough was the Bioshock audience, um, their expectations okay. of pricing and expectations of complexity. And it definitely was more of a board gamers game. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. there's there's reasons why you see a lot of stuff in uh, grocery stores, Walmart, and things like that that are priced at thirty dollars but have the you know uh, Fallout brand or Walking Dead brands <laughs> on them, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, don't yeah. really yeah. necessarily connect with a board game audience, but they connect with a different type of audience. So there there there's kind of a special balance that needs to be made when you're working with an IP that is so widely popular. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as again, you know, um, I think uh, when you're doing that, when you've got people that are expecting to pay fifty bucks mm-hmm. and they've got an entire world, um, then when it comes to the board game, it's like how how do you make, you know, how do you make a different huge experience if people are expecting kind of sixty seventy right. hours kind of out of it how do you do that and it's a huge it's a, as I say it's a kind of a huge a huge kind of undertaking mm-hmm. um, when you were working on Bioshock Infinite I mean where were you did you have other things on the go at the same time when you were working on that or were you purely focused on on Bioshock Infinite at the time um, so I think I submitted that one before I started working heavily on any of their other products uh, at least to production you know, there's always that time gap that we have right after a game is uh, sent to the manufacturing and then when it actually comes out. So you're you're actually working on a lot of other products in between that time. But there's little edits and things that come through during that time. I don't remember super clearly, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, I'm sure I was working <laughs> on a lot of different things. One of my issues early on as, as a, you know, starting off with design is that I... I made a lot of things when I uh, when I was first starting out. I I would have a new design pretty much yeah. every month. I would have something that I'd want to show people, and it's like, oh, I'm trying this out, and this this is this interesting thing that I'm trying out. But I noticed that that would take a lot of time away from the thing that I needed mm-hmm. to focus on. And since then, I've developed into more of a person that kind of works on one project, works with it with all of my focus, and then after that project is finished and I feel it's complete, I move on to something else. Mm-hmm. So there's always stuff working in the back of my brain and always different mechanics that I want to explore and different worlds that I want to create. But I try to not actually put a lot of effort into those things until I'm finished with the thing that I'm focused on. But during uh, during that time, I'm sure I was working on other yeah. things, but I don't know if it, I don't believe Dead of Winter had started or Ashes had started <laughs> at that time. They yeah. may have just been in the back of my mind. Um, but they were definitely started right after that. <laughs> with Dead of Winter, mm-hmm. and I mean, what Dead of Winter is one of my favorite games. In fact, I, uh, I, I, I drew a picture of I think it was you and John and um, Jerry and Colby as zombies. Oh, I remember which that. I John <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first step to try to get you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a joke. But anyway, no, it's true. It's not true. It's true. Uh, you know, I'm sad that way. But I mean, Dead of, Dead of Winter, I think, was one of the first games where I went. This is how board games could be. Wow, this because it took us in a completely kind of different direction. For me, that <clears throat> it was. It was really a kind of a a substance over style game. It still looked fantastic, but I think if Dead of Winter was made nowadays, there would be, you know, if it had appeared on Kickstarter, there would have been a push to have, you know, several thousand zombie mes- zombie minis mm-hmm. and every main character to kind of have minis on it right. as well. Um, how do, I mean, what was the? How did that come about? Did you and were you and John just sitting down together, kind of spitballing ideas? Did John come to Plat Hat and say, "Did you pitch the game, or was it something that kind of you know how did how did that kind of come no, about?" So me and John were friends, um, and I had been going to his game days in Ohio uh, pretty much every month, pretty religiously, because he I was connected to him through so, uh, some of the friends that I introduced me to board games that I went to high school with. Um, so they had been going to his game days uh, for a little bit. And uh, when I heard about them, I pretty much went with them every single time I could because I had so much fun at them. Mm-hmm. So he had been working on a zombie game that he 
showed to me at that time um, at one of his game days. He just kind of taken it out, and it was really bad. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it got my brain burning so much when I was playing it, and I was like, John, let me take this and do whatever I want to it, <laughs> and. If I come back, I'm just confirming that we've got you on tape now oh, saying I've, that I've John Gilmore made a bad game. I've said this before many times. <laughs> <laughs> so let me take this and do whatever I want to it. And if you like what I ch- yeah. what I changed, we can work. Uh, we can work on it together. And you know, John was such a good um, person to have on the, on that project during that time because it was just he was so he is so knowledgeable about what was going on in the industry. He always had the latest game. He always had something coming out. So being able to kind of collab with him and talk to him about that project was great. Um, and yeah, when I came back, he was like completely on board and we worked on it together since then. Mm-hmm. When did you click that you had something special? When I mean, when did you get to the point where you're like, actually, this is, I, this is, this is, going to be turning heads and it's going to be hitting tables and all so back then um and to this day (laughs) i still don't uh i still don't show colby my designs up until i'm kind of like okay i'm a little proud of this right um so i think we had been working on it for a year and a half if not two years together um before i thought it was ready to show and the place where I decided to show it was we were at, we were all at Gen Con, and we kind of had some of the the crew, the people that uh, we knew would kind of like that were kind of like surrounded Plat Hat, our core people, and we knew like if we got them excited about the project at the same time that Colby was there, it would be it would be something very special. And when we showed it to them; it was a smash. Like people absolutely loved it, and they saw the potential of what the game could be. And from that point on, we were just like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be, this is going to be a hit. <laughs> now, at that point, like crossword cards didn't even exist yet. There was, there was a lot of issues with the secret objectives. <laughs> like, I think you had three different potential secret objectives every single time you played the game. There was a lot of stuff that was still messed up and it'd still probably be another year and a half uh, before it was going to be released. So um, there's still a lot of stuff that need to change, but that's pretty much, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and I think John would agree, that's when we knew that it was something special. I, th- I just remember kind of sitting there going, um, feeling tense. And because of what was happening in the colony, because, and it was, it didn't matter, there was many, there, it was the fact there was characters built in there, mm-hmm. and you were given, it was like, here, here's, here's two little babies to look after. Yeah. And it's like, we need to do this. I mean, it was, I mean, I think the first couple of times we'd never even played with a betrayal mechanic because it was like, it was so hard and it was so tough and it was so down to the wire. And there was points where you were actually, you're having to make decisions about kind of sacrifices. And it's still, it's still one of my, I think, defining board gaming things that made me realise that how special the hobby there's always I mean there's there's always like letters of Whitechapel again it's a really really mm-hmm. tense game that you know but that was one of the games where I went this is this is really really good in fact it did at the time push me to ask John Gilmore on you know I because yeah. you know as I said he was kind of a, the, the, the fan of the kind of the work um, there's been a couple of expansions for that um I mean, are you? Do you still go back to the the kind of the dead of winter kind of portfolio and think I've got still got some ideas? There's still a couple of things I kind of like to do. I'd like to maybe change or add some extra extra things for it. There is any game that I design. I'm pretty except <laughs> for IP games because those are like contained things. Yeah. Any game where I'm part of the world creation, there's always going to be a little kind of like, oh, I could have done this. I could also do mm-hmm. this. Um, this would be awesome to do, <laughs> you know, but I mean, there's, there's also the reality of like understanding, is there a need for this? Do people want this? Is yeah. this marketable? Um, and then what is that going to, what is time investment in that going to take away from the other worlds or other things or other things I want to explore? 
So yeah, um, yeah. there's just always that balancing act. So yes is my answer, but it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone would answer a question using a Facebook relationship status, but there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess it is. I mean, you get you don't want to get to the point where you're kind of, I guess, kind of flogging yeah. the dead horse where you release kind of like, yeah, another kind of expansion. Um, is I mean, is that what kind of attracted you about kind of Ashes then? Because Ashes seems to be the slow and steady kind of every so often I'll be searching, um, I'll go into the website and I'll be like, you guys... I've just released another different deck yeah. and I'm going to have to get it. Because <laughs> um, you mentioned at the beginning you played a little bit of Magic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's. You played a little bit of Dragon's Ball Z. So, did that, is that what kind of driven yes, you to say, well, yes. I, I want to make my own kind of Magic? Ashes game. was definitely driven from middle school Isaac. <laughs> that's, where it, that's where it came <laughs> from. And I'd always wanted to make a game that allowed the level of deck building that you know, CCGs, the level of creativity that I had back then, but that wouldn't cost someone hundreds of dollars. You know, um, I didn't have very much money growing up. So those card games that I got to play, I only got to play with the cards that were my friends were nice enough to give me, and they weren't that nice. So (laughs) uh, I didn't have very many good cards. So I wanted people to feel like they could go ahead and buy, you know, you know, not spend too much money, but still have an amazing amount of creativity in a box and trying out different combinations and doing different things. And Ashes was kind of born out, out of that, out of that want and that, that feeling that I was hoping to create. Um, because I even still felt at LCGs at that time were still a little bit too much of an investment and weren't giving you, you know, everything in one box or everything in one. It's, yeah. you know, usually you'd have yeah. to buy, you know, multiple of the same product in order to get everything, you know. So I, I really wanted to do that. And the other thing that really attracted me to it is that Magic and Dragon Ball Z both had a really good, um, like, they had interesting characters. But there was nobody that was necessarily like, this is you. This is your central yeah. person. This is who you represent. And that that happens in Dragon Ball Z a little bit more. But there, it, I think that it just it just attracted me so much to create some m- other magical beings, you know, uh, that were characters. And it's like, this is who you are. And this is why you matter. And this is your history. And this is this is your style of play. And you can go ahead and tinker with that and be an interesting, powerful person, you know? And so I was really interested in that concept as well. In terms of, I mean, you mentioned tinkering, playtesting. Mm-hmm. How much more of a nightmare <coughs> is it to playtest something like Ashes compared to playtesting well, Dead of Winter? I am, I am glad I did not know <laughs> how much more... <laughs> nightmare it was until after <laughs> i had already done it because if i would have known i don't know if i would have <laughs> but it's it's quite it's quite the experience i mean you really do need hundreds upon hundreds of more plays in order to collect the amount yeah. of data that you need in order to understand how people are feeling about the cards and even then like you're never going to catch anything there's a reason that these types of games have erratas and things come out after the fact because there's no way you can test the thousands of combinations that are possible with just the playtesting resources that people have available to them with these games. And we don't have the luxury of releasing, you know, uh, a digital patch that costs us nothing, (laughs) you know, exactly. Uh, Anything that we do or change, you know, affects the player base, a lot and the community is very outspoken about those things when they do happen. So um, we want to try to catch as much as possible, which requires more plays. And then every time we release something else, you have to test it against everything that's been released before it. So it's even more and more and more data that's required. Um, So it's, it's a bear. It's quite a bear, but it's, it's one of my favorite types of games to play. 
So yes. uh, it's it's also was so enjoyable during that time. And Ashes is probably my favorite world that I've ever created. So it, it was also just an absolute thrill to create character more characters within it. Was it um was it a conscious decision to have consistent art to use the same artist for everything? Because one of the things because you can you can recognize um an ashes deck. Mm-hmm. I could take I'll take the I'll take the Coke Pepsi challenge. <laughs> I can recognize an ashes deck out of anything else. A magic deck. Maybe not so, but if you had like it was a game show round and it says, you know, is yeah. this is this from a fantasy art book or is it a magic right. deck? I'd be like, I don't know. Do you know what? I don't know. You know what is the truth, Oprah Giff? Um, <clears throat> however, with an Ashes one, it was this. It's the consistent art style that I'm. I've mentioned this. I I kind of a. If you give me good art, then I'm kind of like I'm a happy chap. Yeah. yeah? And that was one of the things with Ashes. As I was going through the deck, and I think it's the first time that I've. I remember kind of going through and actually spending time kind of looking at the art because the lines in it, and also the the cards were white, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you know, you know, usually it's like it's browns and greys, right. and it's like they've they've taken it from the bottom of the shoe, <laughs> kind, of type of the palette, kind of thing. And here I was holding a kind of a deck of kind of white cards with illustrations on it, and it really made the illustrations, you know, the different yeah. characters kind of pop, and there was a realism to kind of that. Was that? Was that something that you decided kind of really, really early yes. on within its development? Yes, it was. Yeah. It was very, very important for me to, for Ashes to look different. I always uh, actually hated the look, especially of the graphic design on a lot of card games prior. So my yeah. goal with that was very much like I want it to be beautiful and clean. I wanted to. I want the art to shine and pop right off the page, and usually nothing does that better than just white backgrounds with some variations. And when you know Dave, our graphic designer, you know, was able to put some stuff together according to the vision that I had hoped for, and Fernanda was able to come through with her amazing art pieces. You know, it was just it was just fantastic. Like. When Dead of Winter came around, I took over as the art director. Uh, Dead of Winter was my first project to work on. And mm-hmm. uh, I had found Fernanda and loved her stuff so much and thought it worked so well for Dead of Winter that I had to have her on the project. So I reached out to her even before I was allowed to. <laughs> so <laughs> Just like, no, don't, don't say anything. Right. Don't say anything. But I might, right. I might be able to get you in the shh. Don't say right. a word. But, you know. Ashes, ashes. Anyone emails you, has got ashes in it. You got to do the surprise face. So, Practice your surprise yeah, face. Yeah, and even you know? like I had, I had actually um, originally I had thought, you know what? I think I want to go with a different style for Ashes and Fernanda. And I had enjoyed working with her so much that I thought, let me see if she can go ahead and do this different style that I'm hoping for. And when she had brought back some of the work that she was working on, I was just like, "Mm, no, this isn't right. This isn't who she is. This isn't coming through. I can Mm. see the pain in her, in her strokes (laughs) that it wasn't who she was. So I was just like, Fernanda, just do what you do best, but do the direction that I'm doing, but do it in your style. Don't, don't, try to recreate somebody else's, you know? And when she came back with the first character, which was actually uh, Brennan, who <laughs> who was released as an expansion, right. we ended up not using uh, Brennan for, for the uh, first set. But um, mm-hmm. when she came back with that piece, it was just like, this is going to be perfect and people are going to love this. So from that point on, I just kind of let her be her but trying to still come through with the vision that I was hoping for with the characters and their stylings and their clothing and everything from where they were from. It was, it was, I kind of went crazy with that. (laughs) So, um, but like, man, oh man, like Saria is always going to be one of the pieces that I am so, so proud of because I, I don't think before that point I had ever seen a character more clearly. Um, And she, exactly to to the point it was was perfectly done by fernanda exactly how i saw it in my mind and i just knew that it was going to be something special that people are really going to connect with these characters 
and her styling and the way that Dave put the graphics around those characters in order to make them shine um, was gorgeous. And I loved it. And <laughs> it's exactly what I was hoping for with Ashes. I mean, are you, is it going to be something that's going to just gently tick along? Are you going to, is it you still going to be continuing to work at that? Are you going to reach a point where you've got to say, well, um, well this is it. This is it. everything's going to finish. Well, that's, that's a little bit out of my control. Um, but you know, it's as long as it's still profitable. I mean, there's another set coming out soon. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, uh, these types of games live and die by the community, you know, um, and the people that are willing to continue, uh, supporting them and getting out there and playing them and enjoying them. And, you know, so far, so far it's still going. So I'm happy with that. And, We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about doing different things within the kind of the Ashes universe then? Have you thought of taking it a little bit away from the card game and doing kind of other type games within the- Yeah, you know, it, it's it's gonna always be like this it's pretty much the same answer to your question with Dead of Winter. Kind of like there's always more. There's always more sitting in the back of my head. And I wanna a mm-hmm. and I wanna do more. And it's just really honestly depends on what is more important for my time right now? You know, I have to take, I t- have to take, um, into consideration, like, is this something worth pursuing more than this? And what is more exciting for me right now? Um, right now I'm working on something else that's really, really exciting, but it's a brand new world, which is something I really like doing. So, <laughs> so, so, um, not right now, but who knows? Maybe. I love, I do love the Ashes world so much, and there have been plenty of ideas floated around for that world. It's just when when is the right time for all of that? <laughs> exactly. Is there any way that I can get long flowing locks like Aradale Summerfield? <laughs> I don't know. You have to ask Fernanda that one. The hair. <laughs> The hair is, I mean, that is spectacular yeah, hair yeah. right there. I don't know what her, what the hair regime is. I'm assuming that it's just fresh water that she uses on those locks because they are, they are, they are lush, lustrous. Yes. <laughs> we'll is he just a good graphic design? Basically, that's what it kind of come, <laughs> That's kind of what it comes down to. I'm sure there's an um, Instagram filter for it now, so. <laughs> You can. <laughs> you better watch out because you could end up getting tagged in some kind of dodgy Twitter, Twitter photography in a couple of hours when I find when I find the, the kind of this the Aradale kind of filter on 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 Facebook or whatever Snapchat. Uh. Um, what what's the plans next? I mean, you know, where I mean, the next thing you did was, I mean, you moved from. You moved from kind of, as as I say, the kind of the picking about the ashes to kind of going into space. Yes, with uh, Star Samurai. Yeah. Um, was that a conscious decision to go into sci-fi? I mean, you'd obviously done zombies. You were going to do a card game. Was it? Was that the kind of thing? I want to do something in space. Let me do something in space. Well, Starship Samurai kind of came out of um, wanting to do something that was inspired by feudal Japan. And I yes. had always been thinking about that in the back of my mind and Starship Samurai just kind of came to me and it's like, you know what? There's so many Feudal Japan games, but you know what? There isn't very much of lots of giant mech games <laughs> in the board game industry. <laughs> I thought you were going to say there isn't a lot of sharks or right. lasers. <laughs> and sharks are lasers and giant robots in feudal Japan. What we could call it? Uh, we could call it <laughs> laser shark go. starship right, samurai. Exactly. Kobe just went no. And so you just cut <laughs> off the first part. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can have the second part. You can't have the bit with the sharks and the lasers. Oh, but I wanted sharks and lasers, Kobe. You're so no fun. <laughs> I was also getting very jealous of all of these awesome Kickstarter games with giant miniatures. So, <laughs> and I had never done a game with giant miniatures, so I really wanted to do one because it looks really cool. So, it kind of all came out of that, me really wanting to explore something in that style of world and telling that kind of story. And I just 
really enjoyed the concepts um, and actually floated around a lot of different concepts uh, early on when I had the mechanics of the game down. But that one seemed to resonate with people the most. So, um, yeah, that's how Starship Samurai was born. Is it kind of exciting to be able to kind of say, I'd like to work on this? And as long as it kind of, as long as it kind of all works out, then you can basically kind of jump from genre to genre. I mean, do you, with things being commercialized, a bit more commercialized Mm -hmm. nowadays, and I'm not, I'm obviously, you know, Plaid Hat's owned by Asmodee, and obviously Asmodee will just say, make money, people, (laughs) and then you'll go and make money and they'll be happy. But, um, with the sheer volume on the amounts of games that seem to be coming out, do you also, and with you obviously being a business, do you also need to look at kind of current trends and and kind of what's hot? Is there such a thing as what's hot in board I games? think we, we're always, as a studio, we're looking at what's working for us as a studio. Yeah. You know, we want to make sure that we're we're kind of carving out who we are as a company. And as we've grown more and more and – We've done this for a longer period of time, and the people that work with us have more experience. We're noticing more and more that um, what we're good at and what we're good at focusing on is creating worlds that tell good stories and are able to allow players to be part of those stories. Um, Dead of Winter mm-hmm. and Mice and Mystics are really kind of the games that really formed who we are. And yeah. they continue to be the games that are the most successful for us. And we are moving more in that direction of exploring what other types of stories can we tell, you know? Um, and that's really what's most exciting for us too. So it's kind of like that mm-hmm. melding of both what's exciting for us. What do we enjoy doing and what are we good at, you know, and how do we continue to do more of the things we're good at? better, more inventive? How do we get people connected to those things? Um, those are all the questions that we have to answer and come up with and constantly make decisions to try to come up with that. But we're also not limiting ourselves to having to stick to just the old things that worked for us years ago or, you know, what the industry is working with. You know, we don't want to just be following the industry. We want to also be changing the industry and reinventing the industry and trying things out that the industry hasn't thought of yet. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. all a balance. Um, there's no one perfect answer and there's no one perfect game that's going to solve <laughs> all of those things, you know? Um, but, you know, as long as we're all excited to keep doing what we're doing, I think that's a good sign. No, I think, I think what sums up plaid hat for me is, um, when you go on the site, there's so many different types of games mm-hmm. on there, so many different genres, so many kind of different styles, different art. I mean, you could, you could pretty, it's a good place to start a game collection. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've got Mice and Mystics on my shelf. You know, I've got obviously the, I've, you know, various um, kind of uh, ashes kind of copies, expansions and stuff like that as well, you know, and obviously can, can continue to buy them um, because I'm just like that. Um, but then, I mean, you've got like Gen 7, which is, a, I mean, as I say, Stuffed Fables, which, you know, it's all these kind of various different things, which, you know, I've heard people just the other day talking about, you know, um, Stuffed Fables, they're, you know, is, they're having an awful lot of uh, fun mm-hmm. with that. But they were talking about um, was it com is it coma knots, yeah. which is going to be the next yes. one, and one of the I think it was uh, I think it was um, um, Andy and Steve from Polyhedron Collider. Andy was talking about um, coma knots, and he was basically saying, as far as I'm concerned, he's had so much fun with stuffed fables. It's kind of like an insta purchase for him. Yeah. Because he knows he's going to have as much fun, you know, he's, he's potentially going to have as much fun with Comanot. Right. So that's kind of where it, that's kind of where it, where it kind of comes from. Is there, um, is there a genre or is there a game style that you still want to tackle that you haven't had a chance to kind of to look after, or are you working on it just now? So I've got to shut up. Um, <laughs> one thing that I haven't worked on yet, um, that I would like to, that I find incredibly difficult, is a party game. 
Um, I would really like to do something that's accessible to a lot of people uh-huh. very quickly and makes people laugh mm-hmm. crazily and doesn't last too long, you know? Um, so I, because I love that. I love that feeling. Um, and there are so many games that do it well. And those are games that have been, you know, out there for such a long time. And there's so many different variations of party games that it's so hard to come up with something that's really, truly unique and interesting, you know, but I would love to do that one day. We'll see. <laughs> I, I think you've got to look back to your roots of the corner on the cob game. <laughs> I think. There you go. I think it is. Now listen, now hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Hear me out. Right. It's like two, two kind of cardboard representations of corn and mm-hmm. the cob, okay? And you basically have to either pretend to be doing miming or something like that, like a job profession, or a character, or a shape, or something like that. And all you've got is like two or three cardboard corn mm-hmm. and the cobs. There's your party game. <laughs> You're welcome. Perfect. <laughs> no, I'm done. <laughs> There you go, it's done. <laughs> Game finished. Do you know what I mean? And you could call it Let's Be Corny. <laughs> you know? Perfect. That's it. Fourteen ninety-nine. <laughs> as many players as you want. You know, it's simple. You could have different expansions. <laughs> you know. What? Sweet Why potatoes. are you doing podcasts? You should just design games. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to the. This is what I do. It's like instant, instant game design. There you, go. you know, you ask for there's your party game. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, there you go. I have got, I've got one more question for you because I'm aware, obviously, that this, you know, that wow, this is like the evening for me. It's obviously during the day for yourself, yeah. um, and you should probably be doing far more important work than talking to myself. No, it's fine. If... <laughs> it's fine. If, if, I just make games, it's fine. <laughs> I've, just been, I've been doing stuff, I've been working, I've been naked, making notes on this fantastic party game I've just invented. Nice. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, there's a popcorn expansion. Write that down. <laughs> um, and if Colby brought you into the office, sat you down, and said, look... Um, Asma Day have been on the phone and they said they're really, really pleased with you and basically, as a reward, you get to access the big Asma Day Games Vault and that gives you access to any game at all. But you're allowed three of them. What three games if you could have any games at all, first editions, second editions, expansions as well, what three games would you like to get your hands on? <sighs> this is hard. This is a very yes, hard question. Because yes, I, so I, left it I can end. get anything I want. So <laughs> I know that. I pretty much have every game that I want. <laughs> Come on. Here's what I really want. I want someone okay. to teach me every game. That I want to right. play. <laughs> Access to the board games is not an issue for me. <laughs> Access to someone teaching me the board games. That that's another issue. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you're just gonna sh- just gonna drag somebody like Richard Ham over. So I, <laughs> I, have turn I haven't picked up the new Twilight Imperium yet. Oh, I would like to one. play it. Um Okay. And there's that. So there's one. Um, what else? I haven't played Gloomhaven yet, so I should probably do that. Probably a good idea. And you don't want to accept the other Isaac either, do you? I think that I will go ahead and probably pick up Scythe. I've played it, but I don't own it. (laughs) So, and I and I and I like it quite a bit. But um the expansions as well. Yes. So we'll sort you yeah. out. Of the well I actually I, I yeah. just started playing Scythe not that long ago, and I only got introduced to Scythe as the legacy with the legacy expansion. So <laughs> I've been playing Whoa. the uh the, the Fenris. Um the Rise of or is it Rise of Fenris? I don't remember. Rise so, of Fenris, yeah, yeah. Rise of Fenris. Yeah. I've only been playing the campaign of that. So we've pl- I've played like four or five uh, campaign sessions and there's a lot of cool stuff in there. So, 
But I don't know. See, here's the thing. Like, I don't know if I should pick it up because I don't know if I'll ever get the chance to play it again. We'll. See. I don't know. I know. I don't know. I know. I know. <laughs> I am Jack. I, I am Jack's jealous rage. Um, <laughs> um, if if people want to keep an eye on what you're up to on the internet webs. Where do we find you on the internet webs? Um, you can find me at Isaac's Ashes on Twitter. Um, yeah. You can also find me uh, by emailing me. You can Isaac at PlaidHatGames.com. Um, and that's okay. really the two places that I'm most active. A lot of people friend me on Facebook, but honestly, I'm not doing too much on Facebook all the time besides mm. accepting uh, whatever things my friends are doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... Occasionally, I'll just go down the timeline and just like stuff randomly. If you want to be my friend on Facebook and look at pictures of me from college, there you go. (laughs) You can do that. Just a a beard can pass. And whatever I'm I'm tagged in (laughs) every now and then, or whatever my mom decides to post up about me. That's, That's my Facebook page. It's a great area to go. Oh, no. There's not like... There's not like Isaac on the rug, is there, or something like that. Here's Isaac at 18 months old. Right. I'm sure there is. On my mom's Facebook. Pro- wow. <laughs> she has, she's uploaded my okay. entire life there. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you want to see every oh, version dear. of Isaac that's ever existed, it's on my mom's I, Facebook I, page. <laughs> I, I might put a link to that. I might, I might not. I'm just going to make it. Potentially, uh, I'm gonna have to have a think hey, about that hey, type of decision. Got, we got it. We got it. We got to give her credit. I wouldn't be in this industry if it wasn't for her giving me that business card. Exactly. <laughs> she claims all exactly. the time she's my agent and deserves ten percent. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be making design decisions <laughs> yes, next. Exactly. Oh well, uh, you need to make her a card. You need to make her a card in ashes. I don't think she's ever, ever even played any of my games. <laughs> <gasps> oh my word! I didn't but realize this has, was turning into she like has a- every single one because <laughs> she wants them. She's like, I want to put them on display. Of course, oh yeah, of course. Uh, you know, she's proud of what you. Yes, do. she's a good mom. So uh, we'll <laughs> <laughs> so we'll take these legs and we'll put them in the show notes. Yes. And either there's going to be a lot of a lot more Isaac in your life, <laughs> or you. <laughs> You know, you're going to make a choice. You just then have to understand why you made that choice. Um, <laughs> if if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, then um, you can find us in various places. If you go and search for We Are Not Wizards in the Googles, you'll find us on Facebook and our website and Twitter and Instagram. And we've got our blog. Um, you can find us on all the various podcast catchers like Stitcher and Speaker and Acast and Castbox and Spotify. For some reason, we're on Spotify and people listen to us on Spotify. I don't know what horrific shuffling mood you must be in if you're listening to like Ariana Grande, and the next thing you know, you get some mad Scottish guy talking to somebody else. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's obviously again your life decision. You have to understand why you made that decision. Um. If you like what you've listened to tonight, then please go into Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription or a rating. If you are going to give us a rating, then don't give us 10 stars because it'll make us big headed. But don't give us one star because it'll make us cry. (laughs) Um, Give us five because it's in the middle and it's average (laughs) and we're just a little bit average. But the the person who's not being average tonight or today or tomorrow, is rather wonderful, the rather fantastic Isaac Vega. Thank you very, very much Thank you. for coming on. Thank sir. you for having been, me on, Richard. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Um, there's only three more things to do. Well, three more things. The first thing is, if you have liked what you've listened to tonight, go and tell somebody. That'd be brilliant. Uh, the second thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Isaac? No. You're very not wizards. You're many things. (laughs) You are not wizards. Definitely (laughs) Definitely many things, but not wizards. Uh, And the third thing and the third thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from the wonderful, the fantastic (laughs) the I need to leave now. You have to leave now.
<laughs> Say goodbye, Isaac. Bye, everyone. I love you. And it's a goodbye for me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, and check out all of Isaac's stuff. There'll be links in the show notes. Buy it all. Make make, make everybody happy. Make Isaac happy. Yes. You know. I need that money. But until then, my mom keeps taking ten percent of my money. I need it. Make Isaac's mum happy. Goodness sake. But until the next time. Goodbye. Bye. Wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.